Welcome to the Vital Conversations podcast, where we are broadcasting from the intersection of Christian faith and society, with the aim to inform and motivate people of faith on issues of social justice and concern. I'm your host, Jared Cunningham. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Vital Conversations podcast. We are continuing our worship series and today I'm joined by a special guest, Miss Janet Wheatley. Hello. It's great to have you again. Thank you. Um, For those who may not know you, could you introduce yourselves? And could you talk about your family connection to the United Methodist Church? Because I think it's cool. Sure. Um, My name is Janet Wheatley, and um, I have the privilege of being the lay leader slash um, church council chair um, for the church, and um, I actually am a lifelong Methodist. My parents were Methodist missionaries, so I was actually born overseas um, while they were on the mission field. And then we returned to the States when I was about eight years old. Um, And then my dad then joined the Florida Conference and became a Methodist minister, as well as um, being uh, the missions conference chair um, for about seven years in the middle of his his serving churches. Um, And... So, yeah, proud to be a Methodist and proud to be a PK. And could you, well, you did. You're a church lay leader. You do a lot, and we thank you for it. Um, So today we're talking about communion. And communion has always been a, I don't know if I call it a funny subject for me or just an odd subject Mm -hmm. for me. Because I want to say I've always known about the Last Supper because I was, grew up in Christian school, so I've always known about the Last Supper, but I don't think I had my first like real interaction with communion until we started going to uh, New Vision Community Church, my parents' church, and I think they do communion on the fifth Sunday of the month, whenever there's a fifth Sunday, and for the longest time, I basically wasn't allowed to participate. As I understood it, I guess it was for once you reach a certain age or once you reach a certain maturity or whatever you want to call it. And then it was weird because once I was finally able to take it, or I think I took it in high school for some kind of event or something. And it's like, okay, well, I've been waiting all these years to take it. And it's this small cup of juice and this wafer cracker piece of bread thing that doesn't have any taste. So what have I been waiting for? And Eventually, the symbolism and kind of the true meaning of communion set in. But I know from our United Methodist series that communion is very important to you. So to maybe start us off, could you tell us about your first experience with communion and what what was that like? Well, obviously, um, mine started very early because of my parents' um, and and in church i i would say that it was um a little a little similar to yours i i experienced communion 
but I don't, I'll, I'll be candid with you. I think it, it, it felt like a, a ritual, right? Mm -hmm. That was done at my dad's church. Um, and then obviously once I, you know, dedicated my life formally, which was when I was a teenager, um, that's really when, um, the true understanding of the sacrifice, um, came into play for me, um, was shortly after that. Uh, so it was, it was, uh, it was an interesting, um, interesting transition from a ritual to, wow, this is what it's all about. You know, it was kind of cool. Yeah, I agree with the, um, with how it feels like a ritual. It just, like I said, they did it on the fifth Sunday. And I think when I start going to first winter garden, they did it on the first Sunday. So it's like, well, how often do you do it? And then when I used to help out at Okoli Oaks, they did it every week. That's so what like, they well, do. How? Yeah, that's what they do at my former church, too. And um, so, but yes, the first Sunday of the month is, is, is where the tradition lies normally within the Methodist church. Everyone's different. Mm -hmm. And it's scary. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when you partake in communion, what emotions do you feel? What's going through your mind as you're kind of partaking in the Last Supper? Mm. You know, it, I really take the opportunity when I go, when I experience communion, to put myself um, in a place of rededicating uh, my, my, my life. It is, it's a reminder of the sacrifice that was made for me. And what what i i love so much about it is it is not um it is not it's no longer a ritual for me it 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 can take place at any place as long as you you take the time to understand when you are partaking of the element, whether it be a piece of bread, whether it be a cracker, whether it be a chip, whether it be a banana chip, um, and the liquid, which a lot of people, um, you know, don't always have the grape juice, but they do have, you know, some source, um, to um, to really represent the blood. Uh, I have just so many um, wonderful memories of um, very different places, very different elements, very different times that have just just really brought out that meaning even more for me, I would say. Um, you mentioned when you take communion, you're reminded of that sacrifice Christ made. Could you talk more on that? And because I don't even think I that comes to my mind when I partake, honestly. 
So could you talk more about kind of what communion and that sacrifice represents to you, if that makes sense? Well, it's interesting, and you and I were talking before we started. Um, I have a really difficult time with Maundy Thursday <laughs> and the Last Supper. I just, I literally, every Holy Week, I kind of retreat on that night. I've tried to go to services, and I just, I can't, I can't put my place in that, put myself, because it, it, it literally brings me down. But contrastly, when I think about communion, mm-hmm. which really that was the first Last Supper, right? right. Um, I really think about the fact that The flesh, which to me represents the bread and the body, and the physical suffering that was done, as well as the blood that was shed, is just beyond comprehension. And it is... Truly, why I I just put myself in that place, not from a not from a uh, how I feel on Monday Thursday, but a feel mm-hmm. of rejoicing and joy that I was given. He gave me that opportunity to be saved, and. I literally put myself, I, I go through that in my mind when I am stopping and taking the bread of the sacrifice of his body on the cross and the juice and watching his blood being shed. And I truly have to say those are two of the most m- meaningful things for me. Um, when I go through that time. And we also, well, you also mentioned kind of the frequency, how often we take communion. And I know it's interesting that this kind of ties into our, the Methodist series. Um, I remember John Wesley and one of the things I read said he would partake in communion whenever it was offered, whenever possible, whenever he could. what are your, well, what are your thoughts on that and, like, just how often we take it? Because I know you also mentioned the uh, kind of traditional Methodist way is first Sunday of the month. But what are your thoughts on kind of partaking and having that remembrance on a frequent basis? I can, I, I, I really don't have, I, I, I like doing it weekly, and I've told, I've shared that with Brian, um, because I think it is a part of worship for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also respect the tradition. And um, the other thing I enjoy, and my sister did this, is, um, you know, when it is done at 
the ceremony of marriage. And um, what was cool was, and this is another part of communion, um, is I, 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 do, I, I do enjoy receiving it, but I really enjoy giving it. I really do. It is, and that's what my sister and, and her husband did, is they served it. Um, they, before they took it, they served it to everybody at the, at the ceremony, which is, that's quite, cool. which is really quite powerful. Um, but I think, I think it's tough. The, the, it's a toss up for me. I, I truly enjoy giving communion. I, I really enjoy serving communion. It is adversely a way for me to hopefully help that individual see what I am seeing. Like, hear my words when I share these with you. Okay. And as I, as much as it means for me to hear those words given to me, I want that person to hear them given to them. Cool. And we've kind of touched on it in different ways, but I don't know if you can even put it in one sentence because I'm, I'm terrible at that. <laughs> but if you could describe like what communion, what communion means to you in like one sentence, say you're like talking to a stranger and they're like, what I've heard about this communion thing. What, what, what is that all about? Like, how would you, what does it mean to you and how would you explain it to them? I would say I want you to feel the joy of knowing that being saved and believing is so worth it. So worth it. And to maybe bring it all together, because you also mentioned how um, communion is part of worship. Could you talk about how, whether it's partaking in communion, receiving it or giving it, how that is an act of worship for you? Well, I think for me, um, as much as I am a traditionalist when it comes to worship, when it comes to um, certain cadence, right? Mm -hmm. I also am... one that believes that worship is 
doesn't have four walls that, and we, we do that every Sunday with worshiping in a school. Um, but I believe that as you, as wherever you walk into, wherever you are gathering to share your faith, which I believe is what worship is, mm-hmm. that is your worship space. So whether it's at the top of the mountain on a mission trip where you're all sitting around on whatever rocks you can find and you share communion from a bottle of grape juice and whatever morsels people brought, which to me honestly was one of the highlight communion experiences for me in my life. That is worship. And so I just, when I think of worship and I think of gathering together as believers, communion is just, it just is a a special part of that. That, but it doesn't, it doesn't have to be in a special form. It doesn't have to be in a special place. It doesn't have to be, it can be three people who have gathered for worship that day um but to me it is it is the feeling of being together in worship and communion to me is just a huge compliment to that and i like the uh worship doesn't have four walls i like that especially considering we've been in many different four walls mm-hmm. at one point we were in eight because i saw i don't know if you, uh, you didn't see it but i shared a uh a memory on facebook about our live stream days. Mm. That was very interesting. But um, what does worship for you mean? Or what does worship mean to you? Um, it is a gathering of believers and those who maybe quite don't know how to believe, a open opportunity to come together, leave your cares at the door, pray for one another, who is ever there, and immerse yourself in hearing the word and experiencing communion when it's time. And, and of course, praising God through the music. <laughs> <laughs> and this last question kind of just popped in my head. But since this series is about worship and redefining like what worship is through more than just music, what would you what would your now, what would your response be? But what would you say in maybe parting words to someone who maybe struggles to worship or maybe struggles to understand what worship is? I 
I would say don't have any expectations. Come as you are. Give yourself permission to know that you're not quite sure what you believe yet. And just be and allow the words and the music to just flow through you. Hopefully that gets them. I think it will. I think it will. Thanks for joining me today. Absolutely. This is fun. Oh, I do have to tell you a funny story about communion. Let's hear it. I have to end on this one because... Let's hear it. I'm ready, I told I'm, my, I'm ready I told, for it. I told my Methodist sister, I got to tell this story. So, as you have heard, I am quite passionate about communion. And at my former church, I would... We went through a similar time where it wasn't COVID, it wasn't pandemic, but it was a really intense flu season where they were, everybody was just being super careful. That's when they started taking magazines out of the doctor's offices. They didn't want people touching anything. Mm -hmm. So I would go to church every Saturday and I would literally very carefully cut the pieces because we did it by intention where people, you know, you, you provide the loaf, they pick, pick off a piece and then, um, so I would very carefully, we didn't want to give up that piece of it. So we would, would cut the bread. I would meticulously and very carefully and safely cut the bread, bread every single Saturday and have it ready so that there wasn't any concern about, you know, people sharing the same loaf. So we had a minister at the time who had this, that we had a, we have a multi-purpose space. It wasn't a, a, a sanct- formal sanctuary. Okay. And he had the place replaced, the carpet replaced. And the next Sunday after the carpet was replaced, he started using white grape juice. And I said, why are we using white grape juice? He goes, well, we just replaced the carpet. I said, are you meaning to tell me that you're going to change the sacrament of communion with grape juice to white because you're worried about it getting on the carpet? I said, I will come tomorrow and I will cut out a square of carpet and I will lay vinyl where we serve communion, but you are not changing. You're not messing with the color of the grape juice. Needless to say, the next week we had red grape juice again. <laughs> I feel like you put the fear of God in them. <laughs> That is a good story to end on. That is great. All right. So now we know, Brian, if you're listening, do not change. Do no changing to white grape juice. Never. <laughs> well, that is the end of this episode. We thank you for joining us today, and we will catch you next time. Thanks for having me.